sponsored by New Focus Financial. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with a latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. What broke the market? A lot of people are asking that question. February of 2018 is going to be a year that lives in infamy. No, I don't think so. A month that lives in infamy. No, I don't think so. Um, But we do have to ask the questions, what happened and why? And what do we think about it? How do we feel about it? Things along those lines. So when I throw that out there, you always have to learn from history. I believe, from studying history of the stock market, that most recessions have been started by the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. And typically, what that means is they raise the cost of borrowing to offset the rise of inflation. Now, maybe they're slowing down the economy, and it's tough to see the train and how slow you can make it before it becomes derailed. I don't know a lot about train technology and speeds and things like that, but I feel that typically a recession is the first part. The Federal Reserve is typically what leads us to a market correction. The market looks into the future and is a discounted mechanism, and typically it sees, hey, the good days are gone. It's heavenly right now, but we should probably do something before we're the last ones out the door. January 26. 2018, the stock market was sitting at an all-time high. It was pretty glorious. I felt like sun on my face. I went to the beach this weekend and felt sun on my face. I went to Minecraft Fair and I felt like, well, um, acne cream was wafting through the air. Uh, Investors everywhere were marveling on January 26th. What an impressive start of the year it had been. What big muscles you have, Mr. Market. What an astounding run that we had in the past nine years, adding more than 300% from the 2009 post-financial crisis low. And then the market started to fall apart. It's never pretty when this happens. And the market started to break. The S&P 500 had been up 7.5% through the January 26th, on pace for one of the best Januaries ever. But since late last year, a lot of market strategists who generally tilt towards the sunny side of the street have been noting that the measures of optimism and economic strength were headed towards levels that would be hard to sustain. You know, when you start, when you're in a market that has a PE of 12 and you've got incredibly low interest rates, you've got a long way to go on the upside. 
Historically, the market's going to trade somewhere, say, historically between 12 and 18. 18's on the high side. Now, it's gotten 20 super stretched, and it's got 10 super value, but that's typically about it. 12 to 18, and here we were trading to 18 times earnings. Now, we saw the tax plan, and we saw the market shoot up on basically 13 months of tax plans coming, healthcare reforms coming. But the tax plan was going to be a big one in the repatriation of cash. So in 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, we were incredibly wary of stocks. You know, we were looking for economic strength. We were looking for optimism. When we finally got it, 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 it went on a big run. And then we kind of forgot what it's like to have a down market. The 10-year treasury started to tell us, the economy is looking better, guys, way better. So it surged up to 2.85% on February 2nd. And since then, it's been playing, well, not since then, but let's say for the better part of February, it's been playing with a little bit lower, but a little bit higher, but a little bit lower, but a little bit higher. It's kind of working its way higher. We assume that 4.1% or 4% unemployment is full employment. We don't know that. Federal Reserve typically seeks to tame accelerated inflation by increasing interest rates. Inflation's bad. Now, I'm going to say, how about wage inflation? Well, for the employee, it's great. For the employer, it's bad. Unless they're getting productivity gains to offset that. A lot of employers are like, they want a fixed dollar. They want to make 58% or 52% margins or 48% margins. So the Federal Reserve typically accelerates interest rate moves higher by artificially moving them instead of letting them move on their own. Some people would like to abolish the Federal Reserve and let treasuries go where they go. But they can kind of nudge things by raising interest rates that they will give money to the banks. Higher yields make bonds more attractive relative to stocks, and that can uh, make the market's valuation uh, stretch, excessive. When you're trading at over 20 times 12 months trailing earnings, stocks look expensive compared to bonds. And when stocks look expensive compared to their own history. A lot of the recent environment, the bull market itself, it's been predicated on interest rates staying low. How high will they go? Now, we've seen the market get calamitous with a move in the 10-year Treasury. You would imagine the Federal Reserve's paying attention to that, but the Federal Reserve's also probably paying attention to, hey, hasn't the market been up 300% in nine years? Maybe we don't have to protect the market. Maybe it needs some time to cool off. In the years since the financial crisis, investors have grown accustomed to a world of low inflation and sluggish but predictable growth. Corporate earnings benefited from those trends. Faster growth, greater inflation, rising bond yields signal that this comforting world is a thing of the past. We've started seeing wage inflation. We know we're going to get faster GDP growth because of the tax cuts. We also know that some of the wage inflation is probably coming from the lowest income people as states at the beginning of the year raise minimum wage. With the Federal Reserve saying that they're going, not the Federal Reserve, but with the tax plan saying that corporations can repatriate cash from overseas, we're going to have probably $750 billion to a couple trillion dollars come back. And it will be put to work in either shareholder buybacks, which boost stocks, dividends, which increase cash in investors' hands, 
um, or reduction of bonds, paying off debt, which means corporations make more money in the long term. But it depends on when that debt was issued and how much. Maybe there's some corporate infrastructure plans. So the market was was hooked on low interest rates, and now we've seen interest rates move higher. It's a big story in 2018. How high will they go? Reverse limbo. The going bet right now is that the Federal Reserve will continue to lift rates and focus on fighting wage inflation, and they think we're at full employment at 4%. They'll tighten credit. It'll be tougher to get a mortgage. You'll get a mortgage at a higher rate, so you may not be able to afford as much. The market appears have woken up to such risks in the course of just a few days. In the early parts of February, it got volatile fast. And I think it's all because of the 10-year Treasury. On top of the VIX, when the volatility picked up, there were some people who had bet on no volatility. And then sometimes you can go two times the bet. Um, and when you go two times the bet, you have leverage that when it does pick up, you have to sell stocks, even if you don't own them. That's the crazy thing about some of these VIX products. So there's an unwinding of stock futures that is kind of artificial. There could be more selling ahead. You always have to know that. Equity investors are still adjusting to what may be a new yield backdrop, a new yield day on the 10-year. If 10-year starts making a move to 3%, you betcha there's going to be more um, calamity. When the 10-year, if it sits at 285 and goes back down to 28, kind of goes sideways for a couple weeks... Then we'll take a look at the valuation. We'll say we're on the high side, but we're not on the grotesquely high side. sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. One of my jobs here is to try to do my best to get you to focus on companies to invest in, sectors to invest in, um, time frames, um, what's happened with current market conditions. It's, it's kind of an educational thing, infotainment, so that you don't hurt yourself. I don't sweat running with knives. I don't sweat running with scissors. Um, I don't sweat the, the crazy stuff that other people are looking out for. I'm trying to find, for you, the not obvious stuff, the non-obvious stuff. And most of us didn't grow up thinking... Oh, the 10-year treasury is important. It is, to me, one of the most important indicators on investing. It ties into employment. It ties into inflation. It gives you something to compare. So I like throwing those out there for you. Now, another one that I want to talk about are things like juggernauts. I got an email from Susan that she's a little freaked out about the market conditions. And she goes, so what do you advise? And I was like... Stay connected with the market. You know, if you want to liken your risk, you know, cut back on your growth. Um, I kind of think this could be a good year for value even before it started, but especially now. One of the companies that's not going to get you into a lot of trouble typically are called juggernauts. Now, that's not always true because look at GE. 
I mean, WorldCom once was a big player. Like, there's ways of looking at this where you could kind of poison yourself. But more often than not, a blue chip is a great company to invest in for the long-term patient investor. Cisco makes network gear, routers, and switches, and servers. They're the rulers of routers. They're the sultans of switches. And we're seeing more and more information move to servers and need to be moved around from the air to you. One of the projects I did this weekend was work on what turns out to be eight hard drives, eight backups that I've had over the last maybe 10 years of photos and documents. Some of them are like some of the first from 20 years ago, documents of my first you know, scripts on television. I wanted to save a couple of them and show the kids one day and say, hey, look what Dad used to do. But delete. So, But that information has been... Like some, I've got a Yahoo account that's 20 years old that I've been saving for 20 years. It's in the cloud for 20 years. So Cisco has dominated the market for Internet protocol-based network equipment. They make security devices, Internet conferencing systems, set-top boxes, and other networking equipment. They do get some misses, and sometimes they're a little too early, and sometimes competition makes better product. Software that controls networks has become the increasing focus for Cisco, which also provides consulting services. Most sales come from customers in the Americas. Cisco's primary customers are large enterprises and telecommunications service providers. We're about to undergo a big rollout in 5G. So there's an analyst out there who says they're from Numura. Uh, they're raising their rating for Cisco shares to buy from neutral, predicting the company will report higher than expected earnings in fiscal 2018. The company has said as much. And Numura said Cisco's web-scale switching winds are durable, and its window for a campus switching refresh will extend through 2019. In the world of tech investing, that's a long time. So the analyst thinks there's going to be a big upgrade cycle for its products in the network switch market. Now, when was the last time you heard big upgrade cycle? It was probably tied to Apple's 10 and Apple 8. Excuse me. One more is coming. Ah, refreshed. Pollen season gets me bad. I look drunk, but I'm not. So uh, the firm raised its rating for Cisco shares to buy from neutral, predicting the company's going to report better than expected earnings uh, for all of this 12-month period. So they think the web-scale switch wins are durable, and they think there's continuing to be a nice refresh for the company. Now is the time for networking juggernaut Cisco. Now, the thing I like about it is networking juggernaut. And you look at companies like Facebook, you look at companies like Oracle, you look at companies like Amazon, and yeah, sometimes Facebook is like, we're going to create our own servers, we're going to come up with this. But Cisco's really still there. Um, the analysts put a $46 price target on it. That's not a lot of upside. That's 15%. But in a market that has been crazy, it's worth writing down. So the analyst goes as far as to say, Cisco appears well-positioned to gain share from Extreme, Juniper, and Avaya, which has generally been weak in campus. So you should take a look at those companies and take a look at their price-to-sales ratio and write down all of them. Take a look at the price-to-earnings ratio going forward. Take a look at the price ratio going backwards, price-to-earnings ratio. So forward and backwards, very important, because sometimes there's charges. So that number could look like 46 from last year, but it could be down to 15 this year when that charge is worked out after four, four quarters. Analysts goes as far as to say tax reform and recurring revenue transition are not central to our view. They'll make cushion a market downturn via buybacks and dividends and rising visibility. Company slated to report its full numbers uh, shortly. 
So it's not, an analyst isn't telling you what to do. An analyst is saying, here's an idea. They don't work for you. You can't, like, think that they do. You can't think that, oh, Nomura said, and I'm going to do it. It's like my friend Susan emailed me. What should I do now? I'm like, well, you want to stay involved, but you want to take a look at what you got, and you kind of want to, like, is it too much risk? Is it not? What, like, do you, how old are you? Um, if you expect to grow 6%, where do you get? If you expect to grow 8%, where do you get? So do you have enough to last till the day you die? Do you want to buy a house? Like, are you need, are you need that money for food in a year? <clears throat> we all differ like golden clay. So, in my opinion. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Donald Trump is in the news. <clears throat> Go figure. President Donald Trump's going to roll out an infrastructure plan. <clears throat> And as he does, it basically involves spending money. Now, here's the problem. Taxes typically account for somewhere between 19 to 21% of our budget. I know what's good and bad. Now they're going to account for about 17 to 19% on the new tax plan. And no congressman likes to cut spending, but they want to spend more money, and they're not, you know, they just cut taxes. Are they going to come up with new tax plans, new tax initiatives? Um... Or should the infrastructure plan really be on cities and states versus federal government? I don't like the federal government in any way, shape, or form fixing roads. I'd rather my state or my city do it. Uh, because what if they say, you know, we're going to fix 100 miles in California and 100 miles in Alaska? Like, that's a pretty different thing, right? In California, it's nothing, but in Alaska, it's a lot. So we will see when President Trump says he wants to spend $1.5 trillion in infrastructure improvements over 10 years. That means privatizing, is my guess, roads and tolls and bridges. Um, cut regulations from it taking 15 years to build an airport in Seattle-Tacoma to two. Let people make money off of it. Improve our infrastructure. Where do you stand on that? Where will Wall Street stand on it? If it gets done, it means more spending, more economic activity, more business, more capitalism. It would be a good thing for the markets. But where does the money come from? We don't know. And the devils are in the details. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. unthinkable. They created inflation. 
For the fifth year in a row, Disney's increasing ticket prices. It will cost more to visit Disney World and Disneyland now. So the annual price goes up as well. It's going to cost you $117 now at Disneyland. You can call it Disney Disneyland as far as making your head spin. A premium pass for Floridians is $729, up from $679. Wow. Peak ticket prices for the busiest times of the year jumps from $124 up to $129. Whoa. Whoa. And the value prices go from $111 down to $109. Now, that's called, you know, inflation, right? Your consumer is paying more for their goods. Now... I once went to Minecraft Fair, and it's $50 ticket, which is a better value. Minecraft Fair at $50 or Disneyland at 110 I would have to say Disneyland. But last week, Disney reported uh, resorts and parks generated $5.2 billion. Attendance grew 6%. Um, this is milking the cow. There's nothing wrong with milking the cow, but it's milking the cow. Hey, old Bessie. Sorry about my cold hands. I know you're saying that's messed up, and I don't want to think about that, Mr. Black. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, let's talk. Let's talk stock. Um, sometimes it feels like there's no place to hide when you're in stocks. And I can tell you full well that, you know, last, well, in early February is probably the best way of saying it. I saw people panic. And it feels like there's no place to hide. And you're like, whoa, my 100000 is now 95000 What should I do? You shouldn't be in stocks. I invest every two weeks in my 401k. And when it's down, I feel like I'm getting a value. I readjust my portfolio once, twice a year in case things get out of whack. So I correlate my future not with my short term. Like, I don't play that game. Um, I'm okay with some volatility. I like shopping lists, especially when the market is in turmoil. For instance, my shopping list right now for sure has Starbucks on it. It's a stock I'd like to own more of over time. They are pretty well positioned, in my opinion, to continue to cherry pick people who are under 35 who want food for breakfast and lunch, but don't want McDonald's or Chipotle. So on my shopping list right now, for instance, I probably have Apple, Starbucks, Delta, DR Horton, Verizon, American Electric Power. Now, some of those have higher PEs than others. For instance, Starbucks is the most expensive out of them all, followed by Apple, and, uh, American Electric Power. But again, that's gotten got some charges tied towards it. So I have a shopping list. Am I telling you to have a shopping list now? Not in the not in the beginning of time would I tell you to have my shopping list. You should come up with what you need. Um, Delta, the travel rewards maven, Sky Miles. Sky Miles is operated by Delta. It's stingier than other programs offered by other airlines. Based on the value Miles hold when securing free flights, that's a good sign for the shareholders. 
So they don't have a lot of risks tied towards people redeeming their 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 miles, believe it or not. That is real risk. Delta regularly ranks near the top of its peer group on measures of reliability and customer satisfaction. So it doesn't have to like bank on those rewards. The airline group, you know, had a big sell off in the month of January after United Continental said it would increase capacity by four to six percent. Four to six percent. Historically capacity growth in good years has led to price wars. Now I like Delta, potentially. I also like Southwest. Southwest is getting ready to fly to Hawaii. A lot of people think there's going to be an air, air war between them and Alaska. So I would say I, I like Southwest. I don't like Alaska or Hawaiian Airlines because they're kind of the established trade routes right now to and fro Hawaii. Makalakalakataka. Come to the big island. We charge big prices. You Americans are stupid. But wait, wait, aren't you American? Oh, little fact, we overlooked that. We have beautiful beaches. We have the Hawaiian god of fire, who fell in love with the Hawaiian god of wind. What? Okay, you've heard. I've been to a luau once. You know, I've been to seven luau's, and I will be honest with you. I would rather have my wisdom teeth put back in and my wisdom teeth taken back out with no Novocaine than ever go to a Hawaiian luau ever again. Oh, my, my, my. Okay, Starbucks is on my shopping list. Why? Starbucks recently bought out its joint venture in East China, and by next year, the country will account for 10% of sales for Starbucks. Same-store sales growth in China is higher than in the U.S., and management aims to add thousands of new stores there. And that should give you some confidence that Starbucks will be able to grow earnings per share. Now, again, I told you they're the most expensive on my shopping list. Elsewhere out there, Apple, stock I own, you know that. Will it hit $1 trillion in market cap? Some people think that there will be a self-fulfilling prophecy that high. What's, what I like about Apple is not how many phones they sell, but their high customer retention rates. Um, I think that's really good for the, the business model that they're getting in. They had the best quarter ever for wearable devices, a category that didn't exist for them three years ago. Service revenues were up 18% last quarter. Management said on February 1 it would bring the company cash back um, and pay down debt. So $125 billion of fresh spending on stock buybacks, dividends, and or both. Should get the stock at least support. Why do I like DR Horton? Because they've had a big hit. Um, their Ford PE is trading about 11 times earnings. So compared to the stock market, it looks attractive. Now, investors, if you're going to make a worst-case scenario for it right now, is that mortgage rates are going higher, and it's going to cut into housing demand. The biggest constraint to housing sales in recent months is the lack of supply, not demand, though. And that bodes well for D.R. Horton. D.R. Horton lays an egg. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, huh? But no. It was a home builder, the nation's largest home builder, with a focus on entry-level homes and move-up buyers, which is kind of what we need right now. It takes a very conservative approach marked by small land deals and quick turnover into finished houses, which helps limit risks. Mortgage rates might indeed rise. Mr. Mojo rising. Right, right, right. We can slip, um, we can get some doors in there. It was fantastic. Uh, my first day of college, 
I went to college and I was like, I wasn't going to say, I'm not going to use the word prissy or sissy or clean cut or what have you. And uh, my roommate was pot smoking. Guy who showered maybe once a quarter. And the first day of school was Jim Morrison's death day. We're going to listen to Jim Morrison all day. Takes a drag of a cigarette. He smelled bad. Sold mushrooms out of the room. <laughs> One day the cops knocked on the door and they said, can we come in? I'm like, no. Go get a warrant. Like, that's just the, I was raised in family lawyers. So mortgage rates might go higher. Come on, baby. Let my fire. You know who I really liked in the doors was Ray Manzarek. Morrison pretty good. But for me, if interest rates go higher, it typically is a response to inflation going higher, and a little inflation sign of a healthy economy, and it means people might be getting raises. Elsewhere on my list is Verizon, and I think they're going to be a big winner from the corporate tax cut this year. They don't have much foreign exposure. Earnings are expected to grow 20%, of which 16 percentage points could come from tax cuts. Don't expect a big dividend hike right away, um, although they've done a nice job of, of pushing cash to investors in the past. They don't have a lot of competition, um, although Sprint will tell you that they're better, and there's only a 1% difference in the, in the um, network. But uh, if you want single digits growers, Verizon works for me. And again, my list should not be your list. I 100% believe that. Um, if you don't, I mean, if you, you're like, I'm going to write those down, I'm going to go buy those, I'm going to call Rob in six months and see what he says about it. D- don't. I think that's a bad idea. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You can always find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Don't forget, I always have seminars coming up. Um, this year, I will be in San Mateo in Foster City. I will definitely hit Los Gatos. I will definitely hit San Jose and Palo Alto. If you want me to come to your city, drop me an email, robertroblackshow.com. It's robertroblackshow.com. And if you use code RADIO25 at the website, you can get in for free. Go check out what seminars are coming up. Use code RADIO25 for radio listeners only. We'll chat soon. It's no use pretending that I understand. online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Um, Stocks that you can buy, I'm always interested in this, that are raising their dividends. 
Um, it's one of the criteria that financial advisors look for. Because in good times and bad times, you get that dividend. Rising earning estimates often augur well for a company. As they earn more money, they say, we're going to pay you more money. Do you see how it kind of works together? Now, unfortunately, this has been a problem because everyone started to figure this out. The market's taken notice of big companies with big payouts. Um, and they sport a one-year total return of about 43% compared to 26% for the S&P 500. Now, the S&P 500, that's not shabby. But big tech giants like Cisco and Texas Instruments top lists when you do a quant numeric search for companies who have increased their dividends since six months ago. Uh, Cisco is the sultan of switches, the ruler of routers, and other building blocks of the Internet. It's now expected to pay a dividend of buck twenty. That's up 13% from earlier estimates. Now, that's pretty good. Good time, bad time, they pay a buck twenty for each share that you own. And if they do that with one share, then they do 30 cents four times the year. Usually, some companies do it monthly, some companies do it annually, some companies do what have you. And you're going to see a lot of companies raise their dividends, and that's going to be a catalyst to give some support to the market. And companies like Apple, who do big buybacks, they like it when the market pulls big time back. But we're talking about companies that are upping their dividend. I think it's something you should look at. And if you're bored, Google companies that are up, upping their dividend. <laughs> Google still works, you know. Although I find myself playing with different uh, search engines from time to time. Other companies with rising dividends other than just uh, Cisco and Texas Instruments. I like Texas Instruments, by the way. You know why I like Texas Instruments? Because no one t- ever talks about Texas Instruments. Um, Oracle, they've upped their dividend a lot in the last six months, as has Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan Chase. This is a list of stocks that I have on a shopping list. Union Pacific, what do they make? They don't make anything. They're a choo-choo train company, and they basically dominate an area of the country that they, that, you know, it's tough to serve. It's tough to compete with a train company. Guess what? I want to come up with a flying car to move goods around. I like trains over trucks because one trucker makes $100,000, $120,000 a year. One train conductor does the same. The difference is the trucker can pull maybe two truckloads at a time whereas a train can pull a 100 truckloads at a time. So I like Comcast for their dividend. I hate them for their business model. So that one I stay away from because I build cases on flags. Wells Fargo, no one likes them. They ripped off customers. They opened fraudulent accounts. That doesn't bother me because our government tends to slap the wrists of banks and uh, in a rising interest rate environment, banks are going to be good. Good, good, good. Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, I'm throwing my cards out there for you, ladies and gentlemen. Are you listening? Also, I like healthcare companies, AbbVie. They make the blockbuster, blockbuster drug, Humira. And United Health, which is a, a player on health insurance, which, trust me, um, I've got awful healthcare. And I've, it's great healthcare, but it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it covers what I want it to cover. Uh, Real Estate Investment Trust is raising its quarterly dividend, uh, Simon Property uh, Group. So they make my list of, I like you a lot. So from Dumb and Dumber. Um, I don't know. Could that movie be made today? Is it politically correct or not? 
they don't say they're they don't say they're they don't say they're challenged. They don't say that they've got learning disabilities. They just make them really dumb, which I guess that does exist out there, right? Fox made a big bet on buying five years of Thursday Night Football. And could they be the big winner in TV sports? Because they're kind of late. Not, not, yeah, yeah. They're kind of late to Spot Fox Sports 1 and everything compared to ESPN. And ESPN built this big wall. And Fox built a very small wall. So the expectations were very low. So Fox, owned by 21st Century Fox, agreed to sell its regional sports networks, which broadcast local games to ESPN. That'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Their sports properties are going to be Sunday afternoon football, Thursday uh, football, including Super Bowls every third year, Major League Baseball, including the World Series, lots of comprehensive local markets like Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, college, lots of NCAA, including Big Ten soccer, um, MMA. So Fox Sports Go, obviously a streaming service. Uh, ESPN is going to get into a streaming service in 2018 or 2019. Let's give them a little bit of time to figure it out. They, they're going to get into it. Will it be a real competitor to Netflix? Good question. Very good question. Um, stay with me in the days to come, in the weeks to come, in the years to come. You can always find me on iTunes under Rob Black and Your Money, Rob Black and Your Money, on Facebook, Rob Black. Um, I hate Rob Black. I hate Rob Black. And that's my Facebook page. And on, I have Cron 4 Rob Black. Um, check me out online. You can find me at Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Um, have a plan. Have an agenda. Good economies, bad economies. Good stock markets, bad stock markets. Remember, when you have a good economy, a great economy, it tends to portend bad things down the road for the stock market. And vice versa. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me at robblackshow.com. Hey, yo, listen what I-